Our scripture reading for today is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Hear these words of scripture. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. The person that is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What about now? There you go. Sorry about that. How many of you are afraid to ask questions? You're at the doctor's office, sitting in the exam room. Perhaps you were given a diagnosis, and the doctor says, this is what we're going to do. Are you one who tends to ask for clarifications or definitions? Or do you sit there listening, trying to understand, and yet you are confused, uncertain, can't remember what the doctor said? You say very little or nothing at all. Now, sometimes we are shy or person a few words or maybe a little insecure. Maybe we don't want to appear ignorant or uninformed and so we're hesitant about asking questions. We don't know what to ask. Now as I look back on my life, I've always been kind of prone to do that, especially in class. And uh, you know, I just didn't ask any questions. And it might have saved me a lot of stress and worry had I asked some questions. I, I now tell my daughters, I, I, or when they were in school, I told my daughters, now you ask the teachers questions. That's what they're paid for, they answer them. And uh, of course, they're school teachers now too. But um, here's an observation I ran across. Typically, an adult asked only six questions per day. On the other hand, children can ask upward to 125 questions per day. Now, somewhere along the line, what happened to those other 119 questions? I have three grandchildren. Georgia, she just graduated from high school, and she's going to Akron U to to the uh, nursing. She's going to be a nurse. And there is Jana. Jana is four, and 
Daniel at 7, and I this morning left them at our house because they spent uh, Friday night and last night with us. Now, the older Georgia seems to know the answers. I guess when you're that age, you know all the answers. The young ones, however, pepper you with all sorts of questions. And, um, you know, these questions can be about volcanoes or clouds, stars, dinosaurs or frogs, you name it. They, they ask this question and can be endless. But sometimes their questions touch your heart. Now, these are real questions that were recently posed. Jana, a four-year-old, when will we see Great Papa again? Uh, Great Papa died almost a year ago. And then Daniel, he asked these questions. What does answer to prayer mean? Why don't some of my friends believe in Jesus. Mommy, is Jesus ever going to come back from heaven? These bring us today's question. What is God like? I have the book too. Do you have the book, What God is Like? Pastor Heidi made me buy it. And... Uh, uh, and in that book, it says, what is God like? That's a very big question. One that people from places all around the world have wondered about since the beginning of time. And while nobody has seen all of God, because God is far too big for any of us to fully see, we can know what God is like. Now, for you to ask the question, what is God like? You need to come to terms with the fact that there is a God and you are not him. That comes from a line in the movie Rudy, from the priest to Rudy. There is a God and you are not him. Now, people can have strong opinions as to how they answer that question. They think they know what God is like. It is a big question, and often answers can be overly vague or simplistic. Uh, they can be composed of conjecture or guesses. And our answers can be drawn from tradition, what we experience in our childhood, what others have said. We can have a God in our own image, conform to our own liking and expectations, and so we answer that question accordingly. But get this, God is real. You can't make him up. He is what he is. Maybe you think you have it all figured out. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, what? Like a child, will never enter it. Being a kid has its advantages.
So what is God like? Today, our book answers that question with this. God is like a river, constant and life-giving. When you grow near to God, you'll sprout up strong as a tree. Can you see God as a river? One of the most prominent symbols in the Bible is water. That is like wells and springs and streams and rivers. Water is center stage in many biblical events. Creation, the flood, the Israelites escaped from Pharaoh. And the whole of Jesus' ministry occurred near or in or on the water. And of course, we are aware of the Jordan River. You go to the Holy Land, everybody wants to be baptized. Whether you've been baptized before or not, you want to be baptized in the Jordan River. The second chapter of Genesis speaks of how a river flowed from the land of Eden watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. And then if you go to the end of the Bible, to the very last pages, it says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. Now, if I had the ability and I was in charge, I would have every church have some sort of water feature to symbolize and remind us that God is like a river. Two things about a river can help us uh, grasp what God is like. And the first thing that you could say is that God is constant. God is not on and off. God is not there or not there. And so we can say this, a river is constantly present. Have you ever heard of the New River in West Virginia and the New River Gorge? There are two unique things about that, that uh, river. Uh, one is one of the few rivers that flows north and not south. Did you know that? And then the second one is the New River is not new. It is considered to be one of the oldest rivers in the world. It may be as old as 360 million years before the dinosaurs. Long before the dinosaurs. It's been there forever. Put your feet in that river and think, it's been here forever. In the book of uh, Job, it says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. When God promises to be with us always, even to the end of the age, as the Bible says, you can take it to the bank. And then a river is constantly, a river constantly flows. Uh, you don't see a river being stagnant. In my youthful years, I took a couple of whitewater rafting trips down that very same new river. And if you've ever been on one of those, you, you come to a patch of the river where 
the current is only gently flowing along and you're kind of taking the scenery all in and so forth. And then suddenly you hear the sounds of the rapids. You usually hear the sound before you actually see them. And you hit the rapids and they're swift, they're powerful. They carry you along faster than you are comfortable with. The law of gravity rules. The river is always in the flow. It doesn't sit motionless. It cannot resist gravity. Sometimes we get stuck, you see, with the notion that God isn't doing anything to solve my problem. God hasn't said anything to me. And so we think that God must have left the building. Things seem to be getting worse rather than better. And we wonder and we ask another question, where is God? You've asked that question before, where is God? And yet the river, you see, still flows. It may be like a rapids. Sometimes we have those experiences. But more often than not, it's more like that slow, lazy river. Sometimes the current is almost imperceptible. But God is working just as hard in the slow times and in the fast times. And the Bible tells us, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose in you. And maybe you know this verse, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is constantly in the flow. And right now, God is at work in your life like a river gently flowing through your problems and your challenges. He's there. He's doing his thing. Then the second thing is a river is life-giving. If you travel near my home in Medina on River Sticks Road, near the train trestle, and if you've been there, you'll know the train trestle, you follow part of the Rocky River system. And the stream of water that runs alongside the road is lined with trees. And I just looked at that, and the trees are so full of foliage right now, you can't see the water. But in the fall or in the wintertime, you could see those trees on the bank of that, that stream hanging on. They look like they're going to fall in, but somehow they manage to hang on. And if it wasn't for that nourishment of that water that germinated the seeds and now sustains the trees, it would be barren. Go back from the river's edge, 50 or 100 feet in, especially in an arid climate. There may be little in a way of wildlife or foliage or trees. Because you see, they're all down by the river. Life, you see, 
is down by the river. I just uh, finished reading a book on the Dust Bowl, and it was, the book's called The Worst Hard Time by Timothy Egan. Now, the Dust Bowl occurred in the 1930s when the Great Plains suffered years of droughts, and, and along with that, there were bad farming techniques, and the grasslands were plowed under, leaving nothing to hold that soil. And the winds of the plains grabbed hold of that soil and lifted it up, and there were massive dust storms. It was simply unbelievable. And those dust storms left these huge drifts of dirt piled up on the front door, much like we have snow, except this was dirt. And penetrating every crack in the house, people would, would tape up their, uh, along their windows. They would put up wet sheets over the windows to keep the dust from penetrating. That dust filled the lungs of people. They had what they called uh, dust pneumonia. And the stomachs of livestock was filled with the dirt. Static electricity killed plants, animals, and cars. The misery was unbelievable. If it rained, it would be a mudstorm. And people died. And in the book it says this, right at the very beginning, it says, not a tree anywhere, not a slice of shade, not a river dancing away. The heartache, the misery, the poverty, and sense of failure, and at times insurmountable grief made for barren souls. And as much as water might have eased the suffering, souls need it more. It can be a bad day. You could be bone dry, lifeless, and broken. But God is like a river. Uh, Jesus uh, said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Do you have rivers of living water? Our book boils it down to these words. God is like a river, constant and life-giving. When you grow near God, or you might say, down the river, down by the river, you'll sprout up strong as a tree. And Mitchell read for us from the wisdom of Psalm 1, which lays out two ways that you could go at life. One is the way of the world, where one prefers independence from God. Your perspective is wrapped around the world's values and priorities. You take your cues from the world. You make your decisions, your choices, your relationships according to, the wor to worldly measures. That's not good. So much of those things are so screwed up, especially in our world today and especially in our nation. It's screwed up. 
And it doesn't lead you to where you want to go. Don't walk in step, it says, with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But there's the other option. It is to plant yourself down by the river. It says, like those who delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Down by the river, you recognize the weaknesses and the shortcoming of the world's wisdom and the world's values. You don't know it all, but you know enough. You see that the world may deliver in the short term, but when it comes to the long term, it falls short. It will not last. What's influencing your life right now? The world and all the stuff that's going out there? Or as it says right here in Psalm 1, God's Word. A couple of days ago, my wife Christine was shopping in Target and she was approached by a woman who admired her hair. My wife, oh, it's been a long time, but she let her hair grow out and it's, it's white, white. And then she puts a purple streak in it. And this woman saw that and she was just amazed about that and she said to my wife, you're an influencer. <laughs> and have you heard about this influencers on social media? You know, they're making money, but they really aren't doing anything. At least that's my read on it. <laughs> but what is that stuff they're spilling out to us? Who's really influencing us? The world or God's word? Have you moved down by the river? Or have you drifted back? into barrenness, dry land, no trees. It says, delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. Delight means is a positive response to God's word. It's just an attitude that you have. But then it says also to meditate. Well, what does that mean? Meditate sometimes is way uh, you could describe it as chewing on something. If you are history of worrying like I do, you chew on worries all day long, don't you? How different would your life be if you were chewing more on God's word? Here's one thing you could do. Take a passage of scripture, maybe it's 10 verses, or follow some sort of devotional that has, has a passage there. Read that, and then read it again. And do that each day 
for five days of the week. And you will begin to think differently. Your mind will be filled with different words. What influences you will be changed. I read to you here from Jeremiah. It says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He is like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots toward the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes and it leaves and its leaves are always green. It does not worry in a year of drought, nor does it cease to produce fruit. Will you join me now down by the river as we share in the bread and cup? One of the things I love about the prayer of confession is it offers us a new beginning. In the prayer of confession, we lay our cards on the table. We speak honestly with God about who we are and who we long to be. And in response, God wraps us in grace and let us begin again. So together with God's grace, let us wipe the slate clean and together with God's grace, let us pray this call and response prayer of confession. God of new life, you call us into known places. You promise all the stars in the sky. You speak of new life in the spirit. Over and over and over again, you invite us closer to you. Amen. Family of faith, hear and believe this good news. There is grace to God's love that is bigger than we can imagine. No matter what we did or didn't do yesterday, we have been forgiven. Today, the slate is wiped clean. Today, we are made new. Join me in saying, we belong to God. We are held in God's love. We are made new. Amen. When Jesus was in the upper room, and with his disciples, he took the bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body which is given to you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. And then in like manner, he took the cup, and when he had blessed it, he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Take drink and do this in remembrance of me. Almighty and gracious God, we now consecrate these elements 
in remembrance of the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us here and on these gifts of bread and blood, bread and wine. Make them be for us as the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast on his heavenly banquet. To your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forevermore. These elements here, I remind you, are gluten-free and alcohol-free. And those joining online are welcome to participate with us, knowing that God's Spirit unites us wherever we are. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And the welcome team will come forward, and you may please place your empty communion cups in the tray that Bob will be holding. And if you'd like for us to bring the elements to you in your seat, we can do that for you. Friends, this is Christ's table. We are the guest. He is the host. And there is a seat here with your name on it. Come, this table is for you.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And shall we stand? I invite you to stand as you're able and join us in our song of worship.
my eyes are on you. It is well with me. you to be seated. As we finish up here this morning, uh, we come before God's throne of grace and mercy with the needs that we uh, have. And I have several needs here that have been turned on, uh, turned in. And uh, we need to remember um, Betty uh, Monin on the occasion of her 95th birthday. Could you imagine living 95 years? Wow. Yeah. And then uh, there's been a request for prayer for Ruth, who had surgery to remove cancer in her liver. And then this comes from Allison Bell. Pray for my dad, who is recovering from a fall and, and which he broke his hip. And this comes from Shelley, praise for Jill, who has lupus, praise for Sandy, whose husband died after a heart attack, and then Michael, who has cancer. And then from Sue Hastings, continue healing for Dave, successful surgery for Rosie, and for Melanie's mom, family, and providers. I invite you now just to pause, come down, by the river and sense God's presence and his power who's in this very place. Merciful God, we thank you for all that has transpired here this morning. We thank you so much for your amazing love and your grace that knows no end, a faithfulness that never stops. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us, all that you are doing for us, and all that you will do for us in the coming days. Help us to be strong. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to stay there right by the river that we might truly know your presence and your power at work in our lives. May we not grow thirsty. May we not be in need. For you are with us. Father, we do lift all these concerns before you, before your throne of grace. And we ask that you might touch in each individual that has been mentioned. And we think of all the prayers that go unmentioned right in this very room. Oh God, come and minister to us. May we truly see you at work in us and through us and around us. Thank you again, oh God, for all that you do for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name as we pray the prayer that he taught us as disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So the last thing we do each Sunday is remind you that church doesn't end when this worship service is over. The message goes with us into our daily lives, and the work of the church continues through your help. Here are some ways to engage with BUMC in the coming weeks. This Friday, uh, August 11th, is our final worship in the woods for the summer. Join us at 7 at the Meadows Picnic area off of Meadows Drive in the Brexville Reservation for a short hike, a time of worship and song, and then a return to the shelter for s'mores. And uh, I've been there, and the s'mores are yummy. Worth it. So we'd love to see you there. Our August donation drive is collecting baby items for Womankind. Womankind is an organization providing maternal care for women who are uninsured or underinsured. You can show them God's love by bringing baby clothes, diapers, baby shampoo, formula, etc., and drop it off in the collection bin in the first floor coat room. Or you can order items online and have them shipped directly to the church. We're having a church conference vote on August 20th for our SAS church, uh, for SAS. Our church council has made a recommendation for our church to adopt a new leadership model, the Simplified Accountable Structure. All BUMC members are invited to vote at a special called uh, church conference on Sunday, uh, August 20th between services. We want all BUMC members to be informed church voters. So if you have any questions about our ch uh, current church structure, the proposed new structure, what this change would mean, or anything else, please contact Pastor Heidi or any of the individuals on the task force. There's also a special section on BUMC links all about SAS. August 20th is also the blessing of the backpacks. All students, staff, and teachers are invited to bring their bags, lunchboxes, or briefcases so that we can pray over them and you as you begin this new school year. Today is your last opportunity to share your opinion on our Missions and Community Engagement com uh, Committee survey. The more data that we have, the better. It shouldn't take you much longer than five minutes, and we so appreciate your feedback uh, so we can best connect BUMC with our community. So now I invite Dr. Dave up for the benediction so that we can go and do God's good work. And may he who is King of kings and the Lord of lords hold you and keep you now and forevermore in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I guess we stay.
I hope you all have a wonderful week.
Good morning.